Evening guys, welcome to another Wednesday night Bible study. Today we're going to be continuing on through the book of John. We're going to be in chapter 10 today and we're going to be uh, finishing off chapter 10 today actually. So before we go in, I'll just pray. Father, I just pray and I thank you for your word. I pray that as we uh, read through it tonight, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds to what you have to say. That by your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each and every one of us, including myself. That uh, by your Holy Spirit, you'd speak through me giving me the words to say, uh, stopping me from saying things that uh, you don't want me to say. And uh, Father, giving me things to say that uh, had, I hadn't ne necessarily planned on saying. So Father, I pray that you'd be with us tonight as we go through your word, and that you would uh, lead us and guide us through it. That you would uh, point out different things to us, whether it's the main message or whether it's uh, different parts uh, that you just want to draw out to each of us individually. And Father, I just ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So, continuing on from verse 30, um, but before we get quite into this, we'll just do a quick recap from what happened last week. So Jesus was speaking to the people after they've accosted him in Solomon's colonnade. He's going along and they suddenly come along and they're like, hey, are you the Messiah? Uh, you know, tell us plainly you're the Messiah. And they really, you know, out of nowhere, they're just coming in and they're asking Jesus, hey, you know, are you the Messiah? If you're the Messiah, just tell us plainly. So Jesus has been asked, hey, you know, just tell us you're the Messiah. So last week we were talking about how uh, he is, um, he is effectively the Messiah. He is saying, hey, I am, I've been sent of God, but you're not my sheep because you don't believe. And then continues on, and in verse 30, he draws out the kicker, where he says, the Father and I are one. Which really just blows everything that he's just said at them. Basically saying, hey, you know all this thing that I've just said? The Father and I are one. Meaning, I am God. And so, now the people are very, very irritated. So in verse 31, it says, once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. And so clearly it's like, once again, you know, this isn't unusual for them. Jesus knew, hey, if I annoy these guys, they're either going to try and arrest me or they're going to try and kill me, depending on what I've said. So the father has given his sheep to me, as Jesus said. None can snatch them from his hand. So interestingly, he says, the sheep are given to me. None can snatch them from my father's hand. So... Then he lays out plainly, hey, I'm not just speaking here, oh, you know, you can't snatch them from the Father's hand, because, you know, if the Father's given me the authority, you know, they're mine, but, you know, they're still the Father's because he's handed them to me. But it's like, hey, no, the Father and I are one. We are the one true God. Laying out plain for them, hey, when I speak of I, I can speak of God incarnate, I can speak of the Father I can speak of as Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So he's saying, hey, I am one with the Father. But, however, it's two people. It's distinct persons. He's speaking Jesus Christ, and he is speaking the Father. And then, obviously, we also know we have the Holy Spirit. So you have three distinct persons in one. One God, however. So we don't really have anything to adequately... Um, give as an example, as a parallel of the Trinity. Because three persons in one being, we can lay out all these different things. We can lay out the parallel of marriage, of uh, man and woman. They join and they become one flesh. We can draw out things there. We can draw out all sorts of different things. But 
nothing will quite be adequate to explain what that actually means. So it's the sort of thing that we have to sit and say, okay, Luke 3, verse 21 to 22, shows us that when Jesus is being baptized, there are three distinct persons. You have Jesus being baptized, you have the Father speaking from heaven, and then you have the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove. So you have these three distinct persons all together, so we can see that they're distinct, they're all separate. However, they are all one, as like Jesus is saying here, for instance, the Father and I are one. Uh, later on, it speaks about uh, earlier in, in Genesis, you have, hey, let us speaking together as more than one. And it's saying the Spirit was hovering over the waters. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got the Father speaking to the Son. You've got, uh, in Colossians, it talks about everything was created through him, through Jesus Christ. You have all three together in one, as one God. So the Son and the Father are one. They are both God. And you can't say, oh, well, yeah, well, we're, we're talking about two separate gods. No, there's only one God. As Deuteronomy 4 verse 35 lays out plainly, he showed you these things so you would know that the Lord is God and there is no other. There are no other gods. We see that again in Exodus verse 20 where we have the Ten Commandments and you have, hey, there is one God and you will worship that one God alone. You have Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 where it says, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. That's it. There is no other God. So there's one God, and Jesus is a distinct person in the Godhead, yet still God, the one true God. Just as the Father, just as the Holy Spirit are also God. So Jesus declares this truth that he is one with the Father, that he is God himself. They don't like it very, very clearly, because although they've just asked, hey, if you're the Messiah, tell us plainly, Jesus has told them very plainly and laid it very openly, hey, you want me to lay out plainly? I'm God. I'm one with the Father. So they are very upset at this point. And what does Jesus do? You see in verse 32 it says, Jesus said. So Jesus is continuing on talking to them. Jesus doesn't like hightail and run, he's like, oh, 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 and run. No, Jesus would, Jesus, where most people would be like, yeah, all right, I'm getting out of here. Jesus is like, no, I'm staying. I know that my time isn't yet, and I will continue speaking the truth to these people. Where sometimes the Lord will speak to us and he'll have us um, speak a truth to someone, and sometimes we don't want to share it. We're like, nope, nope, it's going to be too risky, I don't like the situation here. But for instance, something like the gospel. If the Lord asks us, hey, share the gospel with this person. And if it's going to be a tricky situation, sometimes we like to try and get out of it. But when the going gets tough, Christ doesn't get going, he keeps going, and he keeps sharing the truth. Because God has put that on him as the Father, he has given him the authority to continue speaking the truth, to say, hey, I know my time is not yet. I will continue speaking. I know that you won't kill me right now. So he continues speaking the truth. And there are times when sometimes, yes, it's wise to just leave because we know, hey, the Lord will provide a different time, something like that. We know from the Lord, hey, this isn't the right time to speak to someone about whatever it is. But then there are other times, especially more often like with the gospel, when we're sharing that truth, to say, hey, I actually need to speak the truth even though it might cost me a friend, even though it might be a difficult situation. 
So Jesus continues sharing the truth. Verse 32 says, Jesus said, at my father's direction, I've done many good works. For which one are you going to show? For which one are you going to stone me? They replied, We're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus replied, It's written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say, you are gods. And you know that scriptures can't be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say, I am the son of God? After all, the father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done, even if you don't believe me, then you will know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. So Jesus is basically laying out plain for them, hey, you guys seem to have a problem with me saying that I'm the son of God. However, in the scriptures, it actually, God is actually saying this to people. And you can't say that God's wrong. And we know that the scriptures haven't been altered. So we know that God definitely did this and he was right in doing this. So they, they start by questioning the reasoning. So, sorry, Jesus starts by questioning the reasoning that for them rejecting him. He's saying, is it my works? Or is it, you know, is it the evidence there that you have a problem with? And, you know, they lay out plainly, oh, it's not for any of the works that you've done, it's for blasphemy. Where they're basically saying, no, 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 it's not for the works, you know, we'll leave the works kind of thing. But saying, hey, no, this is, this is, this is for the blasphemy. And Jesus is like, I know the real reason isn't for the blasphemy. The real reason is you're upset with the truth because you know that the works reveal the truth. So he's saying, no, you said that you were the son of God. That's what they're having a problem with. So for one, Jesus is claiming to be God. So sometimes we'll hear people say, well, you know, Jesus never claimed to be God, you know? Well, this is one thing that you can point to people here to say, Jesus is pretty plainly showing himself to be God. And the whole of the Gospel of John, John is writing to basically declare, hey, Jesus is divine. Jesus is God himself in the flesh. So John is a great book for anyone wondering about whether Jesus is God, the one true God. So they, have, they are saying they have a problem with the blasphemy. So Jesus basically lays out, hey, it's you actually don't really have any problem with this and if you did then here's a reasoning why that's a silly reason so his works are rejected and not examined because they don't want the truth that he's the messiah really they know that the messiah would be god there are countless prophecies to say i mean people have counted them but there are countless prophecies to say hey the messiah will be god in the flesh Isaiah 40 verse 3, Isaiah 7 verse 14, Jeremiah 23 verse 5, and countless signs, and even more than that as well. Where Isaiah 7 verse 14 says that um, it talks about the Messiah coming and saying he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. It will be God in the flesh, God incarnate. So the promised Messiah would be God. These works would be proof that, hey, this is actually God, that he has the power over life and death. He has the power to tell demons, no, you're going to go. He has the power to tell the wind and waves, be still. 
This is God Almighty, the one who created the universe. So his works were proof of the fact, hey, this is God in the flesh. For instance, I can say, oh, you know, I own a business, but I can talk all that business. But the difference is in the proof. What do I, in my actions, show that I own the business? Well, in doing taxes, in having to pay myself that no one else gets to pay me, I actually have to remember, oh, I haven't paid myself this month, actually. That's a good point. You know, different things like that to say, hey, the benefits and the responsibilities that come with this certain um, position that is being declared. And Jesus is declaring, hey, I'm God, and I am proclaiming uh, who I am by my works. So Jesus' works were proof that he is God. So he spoke and he acted like the real deal. They saw these works, but they rejected him because they didn't want him to be Messiah. They're saying, hey, are you the Messiah? But really, they either want to be able to have an excuse to get rid of him, or they just want him to be the Messiah that they want him to be. What they don't want is Jesus to actually be the Messiah, because that means we actually, they're like, oh, if he is the Messiah, that means all of these different things. But I am choosing to ignore that, and I will attack this person instead. And Jesus uh, points out that they're angry at the possibility of the truth being true, you know, more than actually they are at blasphemy. And he's referencing Psalm 82 verse uh, Psalm 82, especially verse 6 here, where uh, God is referring to the earthly judges as gods, where he says, I say you are gods, your children are of the Most High. God speaks to these unjust earthly judges, saying, I say you are gods, your children are of the Most High. He says to that, in the context of what they're doing, they are acting as judges. They are acting unjustly, and God is saying, hey, you guys are uh, deciding people's fates, and you're being unjust with this. And so he's speaking to them about this. But God is speaking to mere mortals. God is speaking to people who have no divinity. He's speaking to people who are not God. And yet he says, I say, you're gods. You're children of the Most High. So if God can call them gods, if God can call them his children in the context of this writing, then... If the scriptures can't be altered, so we know, hey, this definitely hasn't been changed, God is definitely calling them his children. And God is always right. So Jesus can definitely declare himself as the son of God, because especially because it's true, but also he's pointing out, even if I wasn't, you shouldn't really have a problem with what I'm saying here. So he's pointing out, I'm not, I'm not blaspheming like this. And he calls out the ridiculous nature of their accusations and reveals the heart behind the matter. The fact that, hang on a minute, either your accusations are unfounded because of this, or you don't have a problem with this. You have a problem with the truth. So he invites them to investigate the truth at that point by not simply receiving it because it's him, but to say, hey, 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 forget about the fact that it's me. Think firstly, what do the works point to? and believe upon the works, because the works point to it, not simply because I've said. And that's what Jesus is pointing them to do. Their hard hearts didn't want the truth of the Father, let alone saying, hang on a minute, this guy's talking about it, his son? Psst, no, I don't think so. So they reject investigating completely. And yet how often are we the same way? 
When someone confronts us with an uncomfortable truth, do we combat it instead of actually receiving it? So I remember uh, a while ago, I had recorded a video for someone. And I, in the course of, I'd recorded it, I'd held it on my computer for a while, and uh, hadn't edited it, edited it, or anything else like that yet. But in the process of doing some other stuff, I deleted the video. And I didn't even realize that I had deleted this video. I didn't realize what I had deleted at the time. And I was asked about it, and I explained, oh, I can't find it, and such and such. And someone spoke to me, and they reminded me, you, you, didn't, you didn't apologize to that person for deleting it, or for losing it, regardless of whether you deleted it or not. You didn't apologize for even losing it. And I try and apologize when I mess up. So my first fleshly thought was, ah, oh, I must have apologized. But I had to examine myself and say, hang on a minute, I messed up. I didn't apologize. In the midst of the situation, I didn't actually apologize to that person. And they spent all the time uh, creating the content for the video. And I didn't apologize to them for losing it. So, you know, we have to redo the video again. So I had to confront the truth and apologize to that friend saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm sorry, I deleted it. And uh, when I spoke to you, I didn't even apologize, I'm sorry. And they graciously forgave me, which was good. But the flesh will want to protect you. It will be, no, 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 you're right. And you are always right. And that's what the flesh does. It puts up these barriers to say, no, 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 you're always right, they're always wrong. And that is the very natural thing that we will do. That is the very pride within us that leads to so many different sins. It wants to protect itself because the truth is hard to believe, you know? Whether uh, when we're in our flesh, when we say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. We then say, mm, no, that's, that's, that's pretty hard to believe. Or anything else like that. We sit and we say, hang on, nah, I don't really like who's bringing it. I don't like it and we don't investigate it. But it's squashing the flesh completely, saying, no, I will have nothing to do with that. I must investigate this. Have I done wrong? Okay, yes, I have. Regardless of who's brought that message, whether I like them or not, whether uh, anything about them, even how they have said that message, I mustn't have a problem with that. I must more have a problem with myself to say, I actually did mess up. And then even if the truth is hard to believe, even if it is saying, no, 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 uh, no way, it couldn't possibly be true. Instead stopping and saying, but am I fallible? Can I mess up? Yes, I can. So let me investigate and see, hang on a minute. It might be hard to believe because it might not be what I normally do, but actually maybe I did do it. And accepting the fact that, hey, I'm sinful, just like everybody else. And all of us doing that to say, hey, Whatever the reason we have for wanting to protect ourselves, for wanting to put up those barriers to say, no, I won't accept that. Instead, checking our hearts, viewing the evidence, investigating uh, the reasoning for that truth being revealed, and asking the Lord to reveal that to us. Humbling ourselves to examine the truth, not putting our shields up in pride. Verse 39 says, once again, they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left them. He went beyond the Jordan River near the place where John was first baptizing and stayed there a while. And many followed him. 
John didn't perform miraculous signs, they, mar they remarked to one another, but everything he said about this man has come true, and many who were there believed in Jesus. Now Jesus is speaking the truth to these people. Now he's saying, hey, I'm talking to you about Psalm 82, I'm, I'm revealing what is actually the problem here. They don't like it. So then, instead of going, we're going to still stone him, they go, we're going to arrest this guy. We're going to bring him in. We're going to deal with him. And they still want to appease their flesh, to say, I will have nothing to do with this truth because I'm right and I will deal with you and I will squash this because I don't want to face the truth. They say, hey, okay, fine. We can't kill him. We'll arrest him at least. And then they go and they try and move forward in this. But Jesus slips away because it's not Jesus's time yet. Jesus goes beyond the Jordan River where people recognize the fulfillment of prophecy through Jesus's works. They receive the truth. The truth, the truth perseveres despite opposition, despite many Pharisees, many religious leaders saying, yeah, this is, this is this, you know, the Messiah hasn't come yet and everything else. People still saying, I hear what you're saying, but I see the truth and I'm willing to investigate the truth. And they move forward on that saying, hang on a minute, I'm confronted with my own sin through this guy, but hang on a minute. Though it may be more appeasing to me, though it, though it may be more appealing as well to say, hey, you know, the Messiah hasn't come yet. I don't need to face my sin. To instead say, hang on a minute, all the evidence points this is the truth. I need to accept that I'm sinful and I need Jesus. And so they go and they receive the truth, despite this opposition. For this truth, it's a matter of life and death. What happens to us when we die? To accept is to accept Christ, that he received the punishment of our sin. To reject it is to receive the punishment of our sin ourselves. To say, no, he couldn't have done that. I'll do that. And one leads to life, the other leads to death. And that's the plain uh, truth that's set before us to say, hey, am I going to accept this truth or am I going to reject it? And I, I urge you to accept today, if that's you, confronted with that problem of, is this the truth or not? So I urge you to investigate and to accept that truth today and you will be saved, as it says in Romans 10 verse 9. But there are many other truths that we'll be faced with throughout our lives. We're faced with this ultimate truth, but then there are many other truths that we'll be faced with. Certain sins, a way that we've spoken to someone, a way that we may have treated someone. It could be a truth that someone else points out or a truth that the Lord may speak to us of. And what we do with that truth matters. Are we going to accept that truth or are we going to reject that truth? Are we going to put up walls, make arguments, be distracted by ourselves or by what other people may have said and say, no, 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 couldn't possibly be true. Or are we going to humble ourselves and accept that truth instead of instead saying, hang on a minute, I need to focus on the truth and I need to investigate this at the very least. Then when someone comes to us and they speak a truth to us to say, Okay, though I may not in my flesh instantly um, believe you, even though I want to put up defenses, to humble ourselves and say, you know what, I could be wrong. I need to at least investigate this. It may be right, it may be wrong, but at the very least, I have to investigate that, to humble myself in that position to say, I could be wrong. Allowing ourselves to be wrong so that we may then grow in Christ. 
that he will receive us. That as 1 Peter 5 verse 5 says, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes, opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Humility, humility is a choice that we can choose to walk in. And we have to ask God to help us because it's not going to be natural for us. But when we do, when we do ask him, hey, please help me to be humble, the training for that will be difficult. And it will be something that he continually teaches us throughout our lives. It's not a once and done kind of thing. But as he renews our minds, as we draw closer to Christ, he will continue to renew our minds to make us more humble in those different areas where our pride immediately wants to quickly rise up and protect itself. But he will grow us and strengthen us by his Holy Spirit as we humble ourselves under him. So we're going to end it there. We're done with chapter 10. Pastor Juan will be up next week with chapter 11. And uh, I'll just pray. Father, I praise you and thank you for your word. I pray that you would lead us and guide us uh, through it. Father, we know that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I pray that you would continue to lead us and guide us uh, through your word, through the truths of scriptures. Father, I pray that you would help us to receive the truths, to humble ourselves uh, before uh, you have to humble us. And uh, Father, I pray that you would continue to teach us, to lead us and guide us, and that uh, we would humbly receive the truth, and uh, no matter what messenger may bring it, no matter how hard the truths may be to receive, uh, Father, you'd help us to uh, walk in your ways, to walk in a manner that honors you and glorifies you, uh, that we would uh, desire uh, the truth, Father, that we wouldn't want to reject it, that we wouldn't uh, put our shields up, though our flesh may want to, and that you'd help us to uh, walk humbly uh, before you, as it says in Micah. And Father, I just ask this in Jesus' name.